It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. As you can see, we have a shirt, and we have a Joe Goodberry joining us today. I'm Jake Lisko, your other host of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, James Rapine. This episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Well, James, Joe, Joe, welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. No pressure, just following Zach Taylor, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. If you didn't watch that episode yesterday, by the way, go watch or listen to that episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Uh, the last time you were on the show, somebody actually sent you a, a tweet, I think, and said, hey, go look at your your preseason appearance on Lockdown Bengals. Look at what you guys had to say. And... I remember seeing that tweet and be like, oh boy, what did we get wrong? What are we getting called out about? But you said you went back and and you looked at it and we we were pretty good. What what were the things that stood out to you when you went back and rewatched that episode that we were pretty right about? You know, that was two weeks ago, though, before uh, everything came crashing down a little bit. So, you know, I think we were feeling pretty good at that point. But the things that stood out were the things we were at least the um, the upside we thought this team could reach uh, overall and, and what we thought the upside of this offense could reach, especially at quarterback. And they were pretty much nailing that uh, at that point. Uh, the issues and concerns we had were still remained with the defense, remain with the pass protection, remain with the pass rush, which I think is still a, a, an interesting conversation, pass rush specifically, because there's a lot of people that are surprised when they see any advanced uh, metric that puts the Bengals near the bottom of the league and pass rush like why they got more sacks how is this happening how are are they not winning as much are they not applying pressure aren't sacks worth that much more um you know it's a bigger conversation but it was something that we went through and really i remember at one point i made the, the argument that i was more concerned with the pass rush than it was the pass protection and i think as we sit here at the halfway point i i still feel that way the defense the last two weeks looking at it and, and they couldn't buy uh an out on third down for for a lot of these two games and you know i think a lot of it comes down to uh, the one point we did make in that in that uh, preseason show was who is going to step up on defense to make the play for them? Do they have that ace that's going to come in and just win one-on-one either in the front seven or in the secondary, even though we like Jesse Bates, he has not been the guy he was last year. And they really missed that, I think, the past two weeks. Somebody that are just going to come in, create a turnover, create a big stop, and just uh, give that ball back to the offense. Yeah, that's that was kind of my big takeaway concern from uh, Sunday's game against the Browns is like, all right, so if this defense isn't what we saw the first seven weeks and this is what they are, which is kind of what I thought they were going to be, inconsistent, can't bank on them, well, then this offense is going to need to be really, really good. And I had high expectations for them, and they've been uneven through the first nine games of the year. Let's uh, let's talk about number nine without uh, without further ado. You concerned, not concerned, super concerned 
that he's thrown uh, 11 interceptions because he was at nine and he was second in the NFL last week. But I think part of the concern was the fact that they were so meaningful and the stage that they were on and the fact that they were played over and over and over again on ESPN and other outlets because the Browns bounced back the way they did. Uh, I think people are noticing him more. But how concerned are you when you look back and, and watch his interceptions? You know, there is some concern, obviously. You don't want to turn the ball over, especially if this defense isn't going to create turnovers at a high rate. You kind of need, as you alluded to, you, you want to score 30 points a game on offense. That is hard to do if you're having these type of plays, especially it felt like. I mean, if you just watch that first quarter and, and say, man, the Bengals are moving the ball, and I, this should be a game where they score 30 again, and things unravel from there as the game, game script gets out of grasp. You know, once it flips on them, that is a big um, negative for this team, the way they're built. So having that first drive interception, you know, that that probably set the tone for the rest of the game in terms of where they should have been, how they should have been ahead of it, uh, you know, throughout, or at least maybe in the first half. But I went back and looked, and when I wanted to look at data, I was like, okay, are these happening when he's trying to go off script? Are they happening within two and a half seconds? He's actually has six interceptions within two and a half seconds and five after two and a half seconds, which is a pretty even split considering 43% of his passes come after two and a half seconds. So it's not one thing or the other. It's not deep. It's not intermediate. It's not short. It's like if you went and just made a clip of all of them, you it's probably look at every single one and go, it's a unique situation every time. Well, how are you going to have 11 of them already halfway through of unique situations? Um, it, it tends to make you think, is he being a little careless with it? Some people said, has he locked down too much to Jamar Chase? Five interceptions to Jamar Chase. I believe four to Tyler Boyd, one to Tate, one to um, Higgins. So it's been a mixed bag between your probably your top two guys and and, and Boyd and, and Chase. There, but there are times where you look in the at the Bears, and that's three interceptions. And one, a running back misses a blitz pickup. He gets hit. That happens. Locks on the Boyd a little bit too long. Throws it right at Roquan Smith and makes a great play and maybe probably locked onto his initial read and threw it regardless of the coverage on the one to where T Higgins, uh, you know, on the comeback route, 10 yards out. Um, and you go, okay, three in a row. That's probably a fluky thing. It actually ended up being a pretty good preview of what was going to happen. I mean, he goes two, one, two, one, two, two, one, uh, pretty much the rest of the, the, the uh, season uh, so far at the halfway point. And each time it's just something different, whether it's sometimes it's accuracy. I think both this week against the Browns were accuracy. I don't think it's, an issue sticking on to Jamar Chase too long there. Chase won twice against the Jets on that route, basically. Uh, he's doing it again here. Yeah, you got Denzel Ward. But that ball's got to be placed to the pylon, I think, in a little bit earlier. You see uh, Burrow kind of drift towards him to make the throw easier, and then a little bit late, and then it, and then it's too far inside. Yeah. Those are three things you don't want to do. You telegraph it, you're late, and you throw it inside. That's going to go to the house every single time. Yeah, maybe he can come off that read, throw back pile on the T. Higgins. Uh, but I, I just think, you know, and then you get the slant where it gets tipped up and, and intercepted. That's a little bit on Jamar Chase's back hip. But then you look at the previous or two weeks ago against the Ravens where he throws that same thing. He puts it on the back hip of Chase, allows him to spin and break a tackle and go 70-whatever yards for a touchdown. You kind of wonder if he plays it there on purpose or if it's an accuracy thing. And he's an accurate quarterback, so you don't expect that to continue it. So it's kind of hard to say if you're concerned. It's just odd as of right now and then zach taylor talked about this with jeff hodson there's a bengals.com article up over there jeff asked him a lot of the same questions we did and uh, you're going to get zach taylor's facial uh reactions as well when you watch it on youtube on the locked on bengals youtube channel so 
obviously check that out. But he did talk about the interceptions with us and with Butch. And he talked about that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, defenders making good plays mixed in there. There's a couple decisions that he's mm-hmm. not very happy about. There, there's a couple accuracy issues. There's a couple tipped passes. And the tip passes are particularly unlucky. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, you look at the history of tip passes in the NFL. They often don't end well for the offense, but the the amount of times that the little screen to, that that finishes the Jets game ends in an interception is, as Zach Taylor small. points out, I think very very small. So let's do this. A uh, little bit of a lightning round question here: Your confidence level in Joe Burrow the rest of the way being a top ten NFL quarterback for the rest of the season, Joe, on a one to ten scale. Probably an eight where I I feel good if he continues to progress. I think he's gotten better in moving and and extending plays and feeling more comfortable in the pocket as the season has gone on, which should help him. Uh, I would say right now he's probably right outside the top 10. So I'm thinking uh, he could, you know, if if this T Higgins gets healthier, if they can figure out right guard, uh, there's room for improvement, especially I kind of feel like Burrow's the guy that will clean up these mistakes. Yeah, and we've always felt that way about Joe Burrow. I share that sentiment to a large degree. While I am, I'd like to see the interceptions cleaned up. I'm not concerned about it long-term or even necessarily short-term due to the nature of some of those picks. Coming up next, well, the Bengals have a standout rookie in Jamar Chase. We'll talk a little bit about him, right guard, some other topics with Joe Goodberry at our midway season review. Today's episode brought to you by McDonald's. And let's be honest, the at least for my money, the best receiver in Bengals history ate McDonald's on a daily basis. And that Chad Ochocinco diet, not only did it pay off for him, maybe Jamar Chase catches that slant, runs the route a little better, and the ball's on target if they would have had McDonald's for breakfast before Sunday's game. You never know. You never know, guys. And so McDonald's is more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where family and friends can come to connect. It's a place, well, I got to be honest, that I stop. On the way home from Pittsburgh, stopped there. On the way home from Detroit, stopped at McDonald's because it's convenient, tastes great, and it's perfect for you. So whether you're stopping on a road trip or you're going there after a little league game or maybe a Friday night high school football playoff game, McDonald's is the place to go. So check them out wherever you are across the country or the world and uh, make sure you get that double quarter pounder with cheese. As always, I'm loving it. While you're getting your McDonald's, you might need to fill up on gas on the same trip and you can save money on every fill up using the free get outside app. You'll get 25 cents back on every gallon of gas at the tank. When you use promo code touchdown, you're even going to get a 50%, sorry, a 50 cent bonus on your first fill up. You're going to get 50 cents cash back on your first fill up wherever you get your gas using the get upside app with promo code touchdown why pay full price at the pump when you can get money back for free go check out the app in the app store or the google play store right now get upside it's totally free like i said and on your first tank you're going to save 50 cents a gallon using promo code touchdown if you drive a lot you might make two to three hundred dollars a month in cash back and there's no catch the cashback will get added right to your account. If it's PayPal, a bank account directly, or an e-gift card, a lot of flexible options for you there. Download the free GetUpside app. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.50 cents cash back on your first tank of gas and $0.25 cents thereafter. Again, that's promo code TOUCHDOWN 
with the Get Outside app. Joe, we've talked about Joe Burrow. We've talked about the interceptions. I, I think maybe we could talk a little bit more about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and, and maybe these things go together a little bit because one thing that's really stood out to me about Burrow as the season has gone on is, and you mentioned this a little bit, is his movement in the pocket has come really, really far from week one to week nine, week week 10 we're in now, uh, making big strides in that area where he looks a little tentative a little bit, maybe cautious of the knee in the first couple of weeks of the season against some good defensive lines with some more conservative game plans, I think, than we've seen going forward. And since then, he he's looked more like what we thought we would see, although maybe not quite of, as explosive an athlete coming off the knee injury yet, and hopefully that comes back at some point in the near future. But I do think that part of this is actually the Jamar Chase effect. And those two, we, we've seen it a few times, have this off-script chemistry where Jamar knows where Joe's looking when he tries to break the pocket and extend the play. So let's talk about those two things together, the Jamar Chase effect on Joe Burrow and just the Jamar Chase effect on this team. That's right. Last time we talked about Jamar Chase with us, uh, us three was after the preseason. And it was uh, the questions, well, are you concerned at that point? And I said, no, not really. You know, he's going to be who he is. These guys typically end up being who we thought they were uh, coming out. And he's been better than that, which is <laughs> wild to think because uh, we loved him as a prospect, man. And to think that he's been so dominant in most of his appearances this year is just outstanding. He's been the big play player on this he's been their biggest weapon their most important weapon their best player maybe uh and yeah i see you guys nodding your head some of you guys <laughs> jake's like yeah, maybe but that's high praise to think that already that man if he's not saving this offense is anybody and you see the last two weeks now without an explosive play you kind of go all right higgins gets one and then you know, uh, is that it? You know, is anyone else going to step up? Where's Tyler Boyd? Jo Joe Mixon's running well, but does it really matter in today's NFL if that, if that happens? And then you get Chase with maybe last week where I thought he could have caught five more balls and just didn't for weird reasons. I think he was charged with one drop, but there was, I think, 0 for 6 in contested situations. That was, We thought that would be a strength of his, so I don't expect that to continue, but it is odd, again, same with interceptions, I still think he, man, he's been really, really good, really, really fun to watch, just exploding. You know, it's it's weird too because if if you're on Twitter during games, it's like, oh, this offense is struggling. Oh, why aren't they scoring more? Where's Jamar Chase? And then boom, right? How many games? It's just like, whoa, there he is, and we're back in this, and we're on pace for thirty points a game again, and it's just so much fun to watch him work. Yeah, Joe, it's funny because that was such a theme. I think week one, I had this written. I do this halftime observations and I throw it up at all Bengals. And every single time it's like slow start, slow start, slow start. And then I have to adjust it at least some because it's it's a big difference if he has a 70-yard touchdown or a 65-yard right. play that leads to a touchdown that, uh, you know, and suddenly they're at, you know, they're up 17-14 or they're up 14-10 to 10 versus, you know, they have seven or three points on the board. So that has been a theme is there, is there anything with Chase outside of the contested catches? And I think that goes with T, too. In fact, let's move to T. Do you have anything else on Chase, Jake? Do I? Not really. I mean, I, I think we could talk about the other receivers. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just – T, to me, when you mentioned contested catches, especially against the Browns, I was like, 
And he, I don't think he got charged with a drop either. But man, it seemed like every time there was a contested catch, and some of them were the game was over, so it didn't matter. But uh, your thoughts on him through the first half of the season? Because I wonder if that shoulder injury is still lingering. Yeah, I wonder too. I mean, both of those guys combined are catching about 30% in contested situations. And Higgins is number two in the league for contested targets, and he missed a couple games. Uh, Jamar Chase is number three for contested targets. That is too many. You don't want to throw contested balls. You don't want that many. Because, I mean, the, the old narrative is it's 50-50. And there are some guys like Mike Evans right now catching 80%, but that's a rarity. 50-50 is probably the average if you go look at it and look at the numbers. That You don't want to complete 50% of your passes on those. So that is not a situation, especially when you have these good receivers. Everything shouldn't be contested. But you're right. If Higgins is going to win or contribute, because he's not the deep guy. He's not the explosive guy. He's not the run-after-the-catch guy. Uh, he's not even really the red zone guy. He was there in the first couple of weeks, but then it's like Jamar Chase again is getting those targets. So you kind of look at it like you need to, con- you need to catch these contested balls and you need to come down with them. And uh, I think everyone does really on this team. And, and, and it kind of makes me wonder if when I posted some of these numbers, I think it was Monday or Tuesday after the game, a lot of people um, I think lean towards, well, this offense isn't getting these receivers open enough. There's no, they need more easy targets they need more separation provided by the offense and the scheme and 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 design and when the ball's coming out and and at the right times and with the right velocity and zip and things like that and I, I agree i i for having these three talented receivers you should not be in this many contested situations the only guy that's really been good this year is tyler boyd and the last two weeks we've been wondering where he's at so you can look at nfl next gen stats you see that joe burrow is the most aggressive quarterback in the NFL, meaning he's throwing the most tight window passes in the NFL. I think against the Browns on the first two drives in particular, I thought that they did some really nice things from a schematic perspective to get guys in open big windows for free yards. And hopefully that's something that continues. If you wanted to see something change with the offense, before we get into this defense, you know, we've talked a little bit about the complimentary pieces to Jamar Chase Maybe CJ Uzama needs more looks. Maybe Joe Mixon needs more involvement in the passing game. Maybe they need to run more play action from under center. Maybe they need to step up their RPO usage. What's the one thing you would like to see with this offense to develop in the second half of the season? It's kind of funny how the season went. At first, I think the first few games was they need to be more explosive. They need to push the ball down the field more. Remember the Bears game, and the Bears are sitting on everything. The narrative after that was, why did they wait until they were out of the game to start throwing it downfield? And then it seemed like that almost became the trend for the offense. If they're not hitting explosive plays, they're very inconsistent. Uh, so they, you know, they've been relying on that, that explosive and that deep shot. And then it became, well, in that Jags game, I remember they're playing cover to the Jags a, a lot. And I felt like Boyd was just eating over the middle. And then the Packers were like, we're not letting that happen. And then, so now you get a, a switch of, okay, they're not scoring in the, in the first couple of drives. What's going on with this offense? Why aren't the scripted plays there? These are the plays you work on all week in practice. And then I thought they did actually do a good job the last couple of weeks in there. So maybe there's a there's a shift that way. And then it went from a conservative game plan, run heavy the first few weeks. And then where Joe Mixon's heavily involved. And I remember even saying after week, I want to say three, like CJ Ozama is just not a threat. And then week four, CJ Ozama blows up and he's had a very good year. So it's been interesting. They have evolved. They have changed when they needed to. It looks like a very young offense as a whole where the, just things aren't always clicking and things are going to have mistakes at quarterback or on the offensive line or at receiver and even at, with coaching. And so I think they're, this is kind of while they're five and four and we should be happy with that in a, in a sense of I think a lot of people would have 
probably accepted six, seven, eight wins as in, in the season. I think it's the, the mark of a second-year quarterback-led team where they're inconsistent. They're going to show you some games what they can do. But there's going to be a lot of instances where you're going to be very frustrated with the consistency, the aggressiveness, uh, third downs, pass protection, accuracy, whatever the case is. There's been one of everything. We've, we've kind of uh, had our, our, our share of uh, Thanksgiving feasts, if you, if you will, plates full of just a bunch of random stuff that have caused this offense from – scoring 30 points. So I don't know if I have a great answer of what they should do next. I think right now the common thing is figure out who your right guard is because now they're on their fourth guy. And also we got to get Tyler Boyd involved. It can't just be two targets. One seemed like a garbage time type thing right before the half. Uh, he's got to be involved somehow, whether that means you give him some more plays where the first or second read or design some more things for him because he can help the team. I believe that even though you may have higher drafted, younger, more explosive guys on the outside, Boyd has a role, and they, I think they're struggling on third down, and that's where he should live. One other thing that stands out to me when I listen to that answer is that maybe they just need to stay ahead of the curve and and have these multiple answers ready for the different coverages they've seen because they've had answers to the two high stuff, and they've mm -hmm. had answers to the single high stuff, and they've had answers even at times when teams try to take away Jamar Chase. and. Maybe there just needs to be more agility, but really on both sides of the ball in making those adjustments on a play-to-play -play basis instead of a drive-to-drive -drive basis and having that in your back pocket. And this does apply to the defense as well. Sam Hubbard talked about it. We talked about it with Zach Taylor yesterday and the quick adjustments, especially in run fits against the Browns. We'll talk about the defense and what needs to happen to right that ship for the rest of the season coming up next. The Bengals are off this week, but doesn't mean you can't wager on the games. In fact, it might be one of those red zone weeks where you can have multiple wagers, maybe a, a parlay of sorts. Maybe you're just going to wager on the Bengals and Jamar Chase to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, Joe Burrow to have a huge second half of the year and win NFL Comeback Player of the Year, where you can do all of those things and so much more at betonline.ag. It's your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. That's right. My guy, Steph Curry, is lighting it up for the Golden State Warriors. So maybe you want to wager on him to be MVP. You can do that as well at betonline.ag. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using promo code LOCKEDON. It's free money. You can take that money and wager it and, and hopefully make more money and more money and more money. And then you can go to McDonald's and, and buy some Locked On Bengals shirts. So betonline.ag, promo code Locked On, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. James, I feel like I just asked two questions in that last segment to your one, but I do want to go to the defense here if you're ready for that. Where do you want to go on the defense? Because to me, it's kind of an obvious tale of two, I don't know, segments of the season. It's not cities. Yeah. It's, all, it's, it's all in Cincinnati. Yeah, Joe, let's, uh, yeah, let's dive into this defense. And I'll be honest, six weeks into it, they were playing well and people were rattling off these stats. And I was like, I don't necessarily buy it. And then they go to Baltimore 
And they do what they did to Baltimore and do what they did to Lamar Jackson. And I witnessed it in person. And I was like, oh, okay, they're for real. I saw Cheeto Bay Awuzie's uh, post-game swag. And I'm like, man, these dudes, they're, you know, they're really, really good. And then Mike White brought us all back down to earth. And Baker Mayfield said, no, I, I own you the same way Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears and improves to 6-1. and one. And Nick Chubb's still running, by the way. I don't think anybody's touched him. Uh, well, so, he does have COVID, so there's that. Well, that caught him before any Bengals players did. So, with that being said, Joe, where are you most concerned defensively? Because I've completely unraveled, I'll be honest. I don't trust them at all. I'm way back to week one where it's like, okay, 30, 35 a week, that, that's the key. And uh, I don't know. Is, is that fair? Is that foul? Where are you at defensively? I think it's fair. I think they've <laughs> lost all confidence that we had in them, all trust that they built up. And you're right. It took six weeks, and then I still really didn't say anything about the defense. And then the seventh, you know, the, the Ravens game happens, and I was like, man, they deserve credit. They, you know, Lou Aaron Romo's doing a good job. He's getting a pass rush from guys that I don't think, you know, typically on paper I would look at them as pass rushers. Sam Hubbard had a great game that week. Uh, and, you know, they – found a way to hide Eli Apple who was getting targeted like one time a week. And I'm like, God, is this, you know, this looks great. They're doing a good job. They're mixing it up zone, man, the fire blitzes. I'm like this, maybe they figured it out. Maybe it's time. And then what happened the last two weeks in terms of not adjusting versus the jets, not sending anything or, or really just sticking back there and, and just, all right, catch it. We're going to come up and tackle. Well, that hasn't worked for 55 minutes. So let's try it. Let's try something different with five minutes to go. No, we'll, we're going to stick in the zone again. Um, it just was crazy to watch, especially on tape. Was, a lot of times you watch on tape and it's never as bad as it really felt during the game. Cause the emotion's not there watching the jets game. I was like, Oh my God, I never want to watch this again. Do something, anything, please. But it, it was just one game. So I was like, okay, let's go into this Browns game. And, and they're relatively healthy against a team that really wasn't. So I, I thought they could take advantage in a lot of ways. And Hubbard did. I, one of the things I thought was going to happen was right tackle for the Browns. Hubbard should be able to eat. And he did. Good credit for him. He's actually putting together a nice season now. Um, but overall, I think the one play that stands out to me, and I, it probably is the one that gets shown on national TV, and, and it's going to probably – you guys probably talked about it with Mike Sands. I didn't listen to that episode. But – how they call the timeout, come back out, and they're and they're a nickel against thirteen personnel, and they're letting Jesse Bates take Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller got a contract extension because of that block. Um, <laughs> Larry Alden Joey gets no revenge against his former team. Eli Apple's playing safety, comes up and whiffs, and I'm just like, no, like, why does that happen? Um, and it's just you know the the Browns were just ahead. We talk game script a lot. It's really something that gets even as much as we talk about it. It is not fully grasped, I think, by people that once the Browns like they love when they're ahead in game script. Everyone does, but the Browns are they're way more dangerous when they're ahead. The Bengals are way worse when they're behind, and that that's why it's a bad matchup. That's why I didn't feel comfortable going into it because all it would take was a turnover or struggling with Chubb, and Chubb is so good. That O line is so good that that was more not so much Anarumo. Like, I felt like it was Anarumo versus the Jets. Now it was, oh, no, they just cannot play from behind, really. They can't pass rush, and I they just got out-muscled there in, in that game. And that's bad and looking at the rest of the AFC North, and they still have to play each of these teams one more time, and that, these teams like to run the ball. And we did talk about that play with Mike because the Bengals tried to box it, as he explained in that episode, meaning they tried to funnel it back inside 
using Jermaine Proud as the edge player. And I actually asked Zach Taylor about that play specifically. I asked him, were you happy with the personnel you had on the field? It looked like they were in 13 personnel and you were in nickel. And he didn't necessarily uh, answer the question directly. He said, yeah, we, we had our two safeties in the box. We had, we had Eli Apple playing free safety and that's all he said about it. So, you know, he might've answered the question without answering it there a little bit, but uh, you know, what, what stands out to me about the defense in, in both the Jets game and the Browns game in the Jets game, they started out the game with some creepers and some blitzes. And, and I, I, by creepers, we mean simulated pressure zone blitzes mm-hmm. where you drop a guy off the other end or you show blitz and you drop out. And, you know, you, you try to bring something that the offensive line isn't expecting. You try to get yourself a one-on-one or a free rusher by, by alignment. And then they stopped. The and screens, they, they it killed them. Well, but it, the screens didn't even really get always killed. Like Mike White against the blitz was actually quite bad. He, he made mean, some mistakes. They did get got by a couple of screens, but – Killed their vibe though. Like they like if you start to see be. that teams willing to do screens, you're like, oh, we can't blitz. Could be, but then you stop blitzing and then you get gashed for stuff that's actually thrown, you know, more than negative two yards downfield, or maybe five yards mm-hmm. downfield instead. Uh then they don't go back to it at all. And they just continue to try this thing that's not working. And so for me in that game, and Sam Hubbard talked about this, I think they need to be quicker to react and quicker to adjust when teams go quick passing game on them, for example, because they don't have the pass rushers that are going to win in less than two seconds. Mm-hmm. They don't have the Geno Atkins. They don't have the prime Carlos Dunlap or Carl Lawson right now. Trey Hendrickson can create. We've learned that we were a little bit too harsh about Trey Hendrickson and his ability to create for himself, but they don't have anybody else. They need the other you guy, too. as you're pointing out with your fingers on the YouTube channel. <laughs> the other thing against the Browns is, like, they did figure out how to defend the run, but it was too late. It was after the 70-yard run, right? Then they made the adjustment, and, and that's a... Uh, you know, punch, counter punch kind of deal. And it's unfortunate that Eli Apple misses that tackle because maybe then they contain it, but they go from, you know, playing this bare front against a wide zone. Then Cleveland starts running power. And then they're like, Oh yeah, we know how to stop power. We did it against the Ravens and it just took them too long to get there. And so really on both sides of the ball, I'm looking for these coaches to put the players in better position more quickly because they can make the adjustment. It's just at times been a driver too too late and and then the game's over. Like you alluded to on offense, they're they are kind of reactionary to this stuff, right? Like they need to see it. Okay, we got a couple of drives here, like that's not working, and then they'll hopefully adjust on offense. You know, whether it be beating too high and then you know running it versus uh, too high and defensive, it's the same way. I, it, they seem even slower to adjust, but I think personnel wise, they're in a bit of a situation, and that's when you don't really trust the other boundary corner. I mean, losing Trey Waynes again, it's been such a big blow to them. Um, you really don't trust these guys in man coverage, in my opinion. Uh, Cheeto is playing great. Awuzie has been tremendous for them. What a value that is at the price you're paying him. Uh, and teams were targeting him. Like the first six weeks, he was the most targeted per snap corner, I think, in the league. That has switched. Teams are like, all right, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. We see a gaping hole on the other side. We're going to go after that. Even Mike Hilton uh, is missing tackles and not great in man coverage. So I think teams aren't really worried about you in man. And so if you're going to play zone, you need to get home. Because if you're not in home as a pass rush unit, those gaps get wider and wider. The voids get bigger and bigger. And you can find guys in there if you're an efficient offense that you know that can play that way. And uh, I think that one of the struggles right now is 
Larry Ogunjobi at three tech is very inconsistent. I think DJ Reader is having a tremendous season. And like the guys next to him should be a little bit better because he is so damn good and he's getting the attention from the offense and it's still not mattering. Hey, you shout, need to... out, shout out BJ Hill, though. BJ Hill that's, has been. That's where I was going to go. Like we've got double the snaps almost for Ogunjobi to BJ Hill. And I'm kind of like, you might want to start shifting towards more towards Hill for more of a consistency thing, but also because. He's been good as well. You're not getting the downside stuff with him. So I think there's a room there to make an adjustment. You are what you are at edge rusher right now. Hubbard's picked it up the last few weeks and, and helping in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, Hendrickson, though, as for as good as he is against uh, as a pass rusher right now, and he's causing chaos and havoc, he's been very consistent with it. He's a liability against the run. And, in fact, he's missing way too many tackles. Uh, it's getting to be a, an issue where I think offenses are just going to target it and run that way. And there's a couple clips against the Browns where he's getting washed inside past the D tackle. And it's like, yikes, man, you got to be able to hold your ground a little bit more than that. So, you know, it, it went from feeling really good about the defense that they were playing uh, overachieving. Sorry, as a dirt bike goes by me, if you can hear that, but uh, they're overachieving a little bit, but now we've gotten to the point where these issues are magnified. Now the other teams now know what the issues are and they're starting to attack them. Offensively, the last thing, and you touched on it a little bit, everyone said extend Jesse Bates. Everyone wants, wanted him to get 16 million or 18 million. I said it made a lot of sense to set the precedent because T Higgins and Joe Burrow and all these young guys were watching. Why has he not played at the level that I think a lot of people expected him to play at? He only has one interception um, and it was a big interception, but uh Certainly when you look at his stats and the impact that he's had, it, it wasn't and hasn't been to where it was last year when he was considered the best safety in the league by some. And he was saving the defense so many times last year, right? There were so many times where it's like, man, you need Jesse Bates to bail these guys out, and he would. And, like, you're just – we kind of need him to do that again right now. It would be really nice if the second half he turns it on. It's funny, I went back and looked at PFF grades because uh, one of the guys – I forget now which one, one of the PFF guys that writes Bengals stuff – was talking about Bates and how poor he's playing. And I went and looked at the splits for first half, second half of the year, and it's very consistent with him that he is much better in the second half for whatever reason. And, you know, I hope he just turns it back on. It's kind of funny. I hate the narrative now that, oh, they shouldn't pay him or they can replace him in, in the offseason because you have to decide, is do you have a good player that maybe isn't playing well? And I think they do. And you sometimes that happens. And we've seen it happen before with other players not have their best performances, not have their best half of a year. Uh, is he a good player? Is he still the same guy? Is maybe the not having a contract affecting him a little bit? These are things that maybe people in the building would know more. But uh, I still, as I sit here today, they I kind of feel the same way I always did. If he wasn't going to accept whatever, probably the Bengals had a not a fully guarantee or not a huge guarantee in their offer that's probably still on the table for them because it probably works in the team's favor. Most of their extensions work out in their favor in the long run. Uh, I still think that's probably there. And if not, you can franchise tag him. I think Jesse Bates is the type of guy where we believe he is a good player and good players typically figure it out. James, back to you. You love predictions. This is your thing. I'll, <laughs> I'll let you finish up with getting the predictions that are going to be the most interesting from our guy, Joe. Yeah, Joe. What, all right, let's go record-wise. What, what do they finish with record-wise? Eight games to go. They're five and four because you needed yeah. to know that. Yeah, I did. Man, I'd have felt so much better if they were six and three right now. You know, I, I yeah, for sure. I kind of – it was funny, the Cincy Jungle, when I went on with them, and it was uh, 
Joe Goodberry predicts 10 wins this year. And then I came in with you guys shortly after, and I was like, well, you know, the conversation I think is, is 8, 9, 10, 11 games. They should be there with a year two quarterback. And for a while there, I was feeling really good about that, you know, uh, prediction. But the second half was always tougher. I don't think they're outclassed by any of these teams coming up on the schedule. There's no one that really should. Maybe the Browns are the ones that destroy you. They're just your kryptonite this year. But they've beaten the Steelers. They've beaten the Ravens. The Chiefs have their issues. Even they won last week. The Chiefs are getting lucky, man. They, they get the Giants. They get to pull the Giants. And they get to pull the Aaron Rodgers-less uh, Green Bay Packers. And they score 16 points and win. I'm not still worried about them. They are the Chiefs. And they they might get it right by then. And they may have Odo Beckham by the time we, we see that uh, game. But you, you got, like, Vegas. And you got Denver. And you got the 49ers. You're Bart, those teams aren't clearly better than you. It's going to be a fight. Doesn't mean you're going to win all of them, but the Raiders have their issues. The 49ers have their issues. Denver has their issues. You can beat those teams. And if they're a good team, which we hope they are, then you take care of those teams and you go in, you know, fighting for those last three games or your last four games or so that, that we expect it to always be. And um, I still think I, I would have said 10 had they have been able to beat the Jets, obviously, because that you just can't drop yeah. that game. Now I'm going to say nine. And I'm going to say nine and eight. And the way the AFC this year is that's probably like the ninth, eighth best record and 10th best maybe even. And that's just not good enough this year. It's very crowded in the five, four, six win right now, Mark, in the AFC. And if the Bengals want to get themselves into the playoffs after losing a couple games in retrospect that we think they probably should not have lost to the bears and jets. They'll have to find those games that they're going to win that we didn't think they should have won. And one of those was the Ravens. They're going to need a couple more in a very crowded and I don't know, average AFC North with a bunch of teams that are going to be competitive week to week, but haven't necessarily separated themselves one way or the other. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. It's a bunch of it's a cluster of of okay, and that's that that's the AFC, right? A bunch yeah. of young quarterbacks. Yeah, I liked how Mina Kimes put it. I think it was Mina Kimes when she was like, "Yeah, I'm going to go on TV and try to answer the most difficult question facing football fans this season: Who's good in the AFC? Like, who's actually good? Like, especially after the Bills lose to Jacksonville. We should wrap up there." Though, guys, we've got our prediction from Joe Goodberry. We've talked offense. We've talked defense. We've talked Burrow. We've talked Chase. We've talked Bates. And tomorrow we've got another special guest coming up. And uh, last time I think we surprised you. Eh, Maybe we'll surprise you again. I don't know. You better tune in tomorrow. You better go watch yesterday's episode. If you didn't do that, make sure you hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button. Until next time, Bengals fans, for James Rapine and Joe Goodberry, I'm Jake Lisko. Hootay, and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.